Message from Starfleet Command, top priority. You are listening to the Trek Ranks Podcast, a member of the Tricorder Transmissions Podcast Network. This is episode 107, featuring the top five improvements. Welcome, Star Trek fans. I am Jim Morehouse. I am the host of the Trek Ranks podcast, and tonight we are talking about improvements. It's our top five improvements in Star Trek, and I don't even really know what that means. I'm excited <laughs> to hear how our awesome panel is going to tackle this very unique Trek Ranks type topic. So we'll get into defining that a little bit in our diagnostic cycle. But first, let's introduce our fantastic panel live via subspace from the UK sector. First up, she's returning for her fourth episode of Trek Ranks. It's Catherine Robinson. Catherine, welcome back. Thank you, Jim. Oh, it's so much fun to be back. I've really enjoyed my Trek Ranks homework, as always. And uh, yeah, what an exciting topic. It's, It's gone all over the place. It's a weird one. I think we're going to be all over the place. And our second guest today, one of my favorite wordsmiths on Twitter out there. We've sang his praises, host of the Snap Trek podcast. It's Ross Webster. Ross, welcome back, sir. Hello, sir. How are you? I am excellent. And I will clarify, I was just telling him, episode 100, I was talking about Ross. We need to get him on more because he's only been on once. Of course, he's been on twice before. Uh, unforgettable, so, Jim. I, don't know, I know. You, unforgettable. Did you make that mistake? You know, there's so many mistakes that I make <laughs> on Trek ranks. All right, let's get into our Trek ranks recalibration because I want to find out how everyone is thinking about improvements in Trek. Let's start with something small, like a recalibration of the EPS manifolds. As regular listeners will know by now, general order number one of the Trek ranks charter is that we love Trek and we love to rank Trek via some deep dive topics just to get the conversation started. And remember, it's not about the ranks. That's just our excuse to talk about Star Trek. As Mr. Spock himself has said, our show is all about... Infinite diversity in infinite combinations, symbolizing the elements that create truth and beauty. No wrong answers. It's not about being right or definitive in any way. It's just about sharing the things we love about Trek. And we love it all. From TOS to TNG, straight through to Enterprise and the Kelvin timeline and Discovery, Short Trek, Star Trek Picard, and Lower Decks as well. It's all fair game here on the Trek Ranks podcast. Black alert. Black alert. And a reminder that this episode of Trek Ranks is current through 801 episodes of Star Trek, which currently translates to the third season of Star Trek Discovery. And one final reminder that we use episodes as shorthand, but the 13 films are always in play as well. I boosted power to the communications bandwidth. We appreciate that, Mr. Kim. And you can find Trek Ranks on subspace at trekranks.com. You can connect with me directly at Trek Ranks or at Enterprise Extra on Twitter. You can also call and leave us a message with your own picks at 609-512-LLAP. That's 609-512-5527. Okay. So to wrap it up, Catherine and Ross, uh, let everybody know how they can get a hold of you on subspace. Catherine. Yeah, I am knitted by nails on uh, both Twitter and Instagram. And these days I'm probably a little bit more present on Instagram than Twitter, but you can find me on both. Well, I'm glad you're still on Twitter because my Instagram is 
I think I instead once. It's not called Insta. I, I've right? got six pictures. I think. Okay, all right. I've got I've got one. I, I will catch up someday. I will start Instagramming. Uh, Ross, how about you? You can catch me on Twitter at Snaptrek the podcast, or my handle is strtrk seventeen oh one to Borg. That's Star Trek seventeen oh one with no vowels. I know. I know. I, I wonder when the <laughs> earliest time I said that on Trek Rings was. It was probably like episode four. And that was the first time I ever thought about it. I thought, he's right. It doesn't really make any sense like, to be read aloud. What is this guy's hand? <laughs> okay, we are ready to activate our level one diagnostic. Run a level one diagnostic series. Come. So for this week's diagnostic cycle, let's talk a little bit about what we mean by improvements. And I'm just going to go through this really quick, and then we'll get into our prime directives. But this is one of those patented Trek ranks topics that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So we're looking for anything inside the Star Trek universe that was adjusted or changed in a way that that you would maybe label it as an improvement. So it could be super specific, could be related to a character or a story arc or maybe a production decision or something even bigger than that. I, I don't know. It could be anything. I don't usually give examples in the diagnostic cycle because I don't want to take away somebody's pick just on the off chance. But I think I'm going to give one here. I don't think anyone's going to pick this. I did actually consider this as a as a pick. So it'll be an early secondary system. So one that I was thinking of that could be, it literally could be anything. For me, an improvement was in the second season of TOS when they added DeForest Kelly's name and Dr. Leonard McCoy to the opening credits. So that's kind of one of the things I was thinking about is, that's an improvement. I mean, that's it was way better in the second season. I just always remember thinking, oh, my God, he should have been there the whole time. So that is one uh, massive Star Trek improvement. I doubt anyone's going to pick that. But I, I just wanted to give one example like that. So there's a million different ways you can look at this. So let's do that now in our prime directives. But what you're proposing is exactly the kind of tampering the prime directive prohibits. Okay, Catherine, let's start with you. I'm dying to hear how you guys tackled this topic and came up with your picks. So what do you got? So I just started off with a brainstorm, really. I got myself a piece of paper. Um, I started thinking about each series sort of as they aired. So I started with TOS. I kind of worked my way through thinking, well, you know, you can't really improve in episode one. So everything's come from <laughs> episode two onwards. And, and really, I, I went from there. So I decided I needed to define what an improvement was for me in order to narrow it down because I just had so many things sort of from you know really wide sweeping stuff to the deep cut minutiae and I was like okay I need to know what it is so I decided that an improvement is where something already exists they change it or tweak it and it makes the thing better okay because a lot of the things on my list were additions Mm, that's interesting. Yes. So, it's, you know, it's, they added this thing and it made Star Trek better. But I'm like, mm, but then you could say that that was, you know, top five additions or top five new things. <laughs> I wanted it to be, yeah, improvements. So something that already exists, you change it and it's better. I love that. That's so good. I think some of mine are going to be a gray area because I did I did fall into that trap yeah. a little a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and I'll talk about that in a second. But Ross, how about you, man? How did you think about it? Uh, so I, same as Catherine, I found this massive broad category because any, almost any change whatsoever could potentially be argued to be an improvement of some sort. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But what I looked for were that, so similar to Catherine. I wanted it to be something that already was there, 
and underwent a change or underwent an improvement. And for the most part, I have deviated from this a little, but for the most part, I wanted it to be an attempt at an improvement as well. It wasn't just something that changed. It was something they were trying to improve. And it's mostly in universe and it's mostly a definite attempt to improve something. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's great. So we, we all kind of had the same challenge. I definitely had a few picks where I, afterwards I was just like, no, that's more. And I actually have on my long list top five game changers. And mm. I was like, no, that's more of a game changer. I need to save that for game changers. <laughs> I really drew a distinction between what was just what was a change versus right. what was improvement. Right, but I didn't. But I, I don't think I'm perfect because a couple of these you could well you can argue either way on a lot of these. I think, but but for me, yeah, I was thinking about the big things that left an impact for me that that really. I mean, I guess it's like what you guys just said, improved something that was already there, or maybe made you look at it from a little bit of a different angle. And I definitely had a. Uh, I was I was thinking about characters, also storylines, and then like big production decisions. I ended up with a nice split, I think, between in-universe stuff and and production items. And I really went as broad as I could with this topic. And after I had kind of got my list, like a, a large list up, I decided I wanted to have very five very distinct different choices. So I didn't. There's a couple of categories where I could have had you know, four or five things just from one area. Mm -hmm. So I definitely broke it up that way. So we'll have a few of those in our secondary systems. All right. Sounds like we're all similar and all kind of we're faced with the same challenge, but it'll be interesting to see where we, where we drew the line on some of that stuff. All right, let's do it. First Kudekaton, introduce us to the new order of things. It'll be alphas like us that determine the future of this quadrant. That will be the new order of things. Thank you, First Kudekaton. And as always, just a quick reminder on how we're going to go through the order of things. First, everyone will start with their five-word summary and a hashtag to tease their pick. Then we'll each reveal our top five improvement and the reasons we're highlighting it, as well as an episode in which that improvement was maybe prominently featured or well-defined. Then at the end, we'll ask everyone for a few secondary system selections for the picks that just missed our list. And as always, if you have any duplicate picks, make sure you listen for the Defiant Torpedoes. Okay, Catherine, we're starting with you. What's your number five pick for a top five improvement in track? So I'm now doubting that this actually falls under the uh, the diagnostic cycle, <laughs> let alone the round directive. But, but I'm going with it. I'm going with it. It's on good, my list. Good. So my five words are uh, Netflix. Are you still watching? And my hashtag is iHeartVHS. And this is Star Trek being available on streaming services. Fantastic! I definitely I thought of, I definitely thought about this as a non-production pick. It was uh, that's, I love this pick. It's definitely an improvement. Come on! <laughs> yeah. So I just uh, growing up um, collecting the VHS tapes was huge for me, and you know kind of almost every week at school it'd be like oh how many tapes have you got now <laughs> i'd be like 75 <laughs> and, you know it's a vhs tape with two episodes on it i almost can't believe it now right. um when i got divorced and i had to move back in with my parents i took like bags and bags full of vhs tapes to a charity shop uh, yep. to donate them because there just wasn't any room i was like i'm gonna have to like squeeze my life back into my childhood bedroom so kind of with a heavy heart I took all these Star Trek videos to a very very excited guy at um, <laughs> an Oxfam um, <laughs> oh, charity oh, that's, shop that's and um, 
And I thought to myself, oh, I'll buy it all on DVD. It'll take up so much less space. But before I'd kind of got to the point where I had it all back on DVD again, Star Trek was on Netflix. Right. Um, that's just been amazing for just, you know, my life as a fan. And when I think about other people getting introduced to the franchise, you know, young people getting to watch Star Trek, being introduced to it because it's so accessible, it just makes me so happy. Yeah, I love I love this pick. It's, I mean, this is this is a huge improvement. Also, it could be a game changer. We're, we're, we're going to do game changers in like a hundred episodes, so that this one's far far in the rearview mirror. Because this one, I mean, I definitely thought of this one, and I it changed everything just to instantly be able to have them on all day and just run in loops. Oh my god, uh, it's uh, I guess it's been about I wonder how many years it's been. It, it feels like forever, but because of how few times I actually go now to my DVD or Blu-ray shelf to, to pop them I feel them like it's got to be almost 10 years. Yeah, it? it sounds about right. It sounds like early 2010s. So did you I'm dying, Did you pick a episode to associate yeah. with this? So I thought the first episode to really premiere, you know, the, the episode that I watched for the first time on streaming services was Vulcan Hello from Discovery Season 1. Oh, how one. cool. All right. So I, I would pick that one. That's fantastic. Okay, so Ross, what's your take on streaming? I mean, it just changed the way I watched Star Trek entirely. Yeah. From when I was when I was growing up, it was always on BBC Two at six o'clock, and I was yes. like glued to the television watching it. And when it wasn't on TV, because I didn't have Sky or anything, I was reading the Star Trek magazines. Mm-hmm. And I was only ever watching it on terrestrial TV or whatever I recorded off terrestrial TV. Now streaming services are here. I'm watching Star Trek all the time. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I think maybe I should watch something else. It's like, nah. <laughs> what, what? What's the need? What's the point? <laughs> I've not watched this episode enough times. So it's literally changed the way I watch Star Trek. And for a long time, a concern of mine was not having every episode of Star Trek on hand. And now they all are, because I subscribe purposely to all the services that have Star Trek. And I've warned my wife that, you know, if streaming services should alter, we'll have to follow the Star Trek. That's that's <laughs> the only rule I've got about this. <laughs> that's, uh, that's outstanding. I wish to think I watched a lot of Star Trek before streaming. <laughs> I, mean, I watched a lot. I had all the DVDs, everything, and it was constant. Yeah. And now it's just like, wait a second. <laughs> Who knew there was that extra level that you could uh, watch even more? I love this pick. Fantastic start. Ross, how about you? What's your number five pick? Okay. So from the broad to the the very minute and specific. Irregular Reg regards unreachable regions. Hashtag explorers. And I have picked the improved Reginald Barkley. Uh, in the nth degree. Oh my god, I love it. Uh, a, you a, could a not have a bigger dichotomy in two picks. Completely different. Uh, I picked this because I didn't want to... Th- I I picked it and then I sort of undenied about it because he changed. There were some things that worked for him. You know, his intellect, his confidence, everything grew. But there are other, obviously other things changed for him that weren't so good. Interactions with the crew, you know, the, the actual, you know, how he ended up being on the holodeck yep. and yep. how he was treating everyone else. But for a brief period, there was a moment where he was 
better than he could have imagined he would ever be. And a little bit of that remained in Reg. And of course, he was all, it was all done so the Cytherians could explore the galaxy by bringing the galaxy to them. And they picked something they could improve upon and then zoom it towards them. So it was a genuine improvement made on purpose and had a little benefit at the end, you know, of giving Barclay a little bit of confidence and a little bit of extra knowledge as well about the older uh, the 3D chess pieces. Um, so that's I really right. like oh, that's right. I really like that it was a purposeful improvement and it had a genuine benefit for rich and it's i mean this is knee deep into one specific story and one recurring character i love it i was gonna say but he but he changed back but then you but you're right he still had that he still had the improvement just from, the, little, from that just moment with the, with the 3d chess <laughs> i love it catherine what's your take on reg barkley and the nth degree he only watched this uh a couple of nights ago so it's fresh in my mind and yeah your point about the chess pieces uh, there is just that tiny little bit uh, retained at the end and I like to think that you know that was a positive experience overall given time for Reg and it's you know the reason why he continues to be such a recurring character in in Trek beyond TNG you know into the film and Voyager and yeah yep awesome all right, so let's close out round five with my five words and a hashtag. Stellar Cartography's intrepid new home hashtag. Please report to Astrometrics. And it is the Astrometrics set on Star Trek Voyager. My episode is Message in a Bottle. It was, and this is an improvement for me in terms of the set and the representation of Voyager as a ship. And it was it's this set that was designed and introduced in Year of Hell. And I just, I've always loved this set. I think it added so much to Voyager because it's got, it's, it's got this split level, really cool, big, huge screen. It feels like the stellar cartography that we've seen in, in TNG uh, generations and, and, and some other places got L cars everywhere the, the green screen work and the special effects that they use, they, it never looks fake and it still looks absolutely perfect today. It absolutely stands the test of time. And I chose Message in a Bottle because I just love the way they showed 3D effect of space and, and all the, the network they were using to the Hiroshima network they were using to connect to the ship in the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah, I think if, and if there was ever a show that needed this kind of space, it was Voyager because that was their whole deal. They were uh, they were going through it. So just a great improvement. Really expanded the real world feel for me uh, on Voyager. And I love Astrometric. So, Catherine, what's your take on that one? Yeah, I love thinking about how Voyager was in Caretaker and how much it changes because it would. And this is just the most appropriate change, isn't it? You know, if, yeah. if you're on a journey home, what are you going to be checking all the time? You're going to be checking the map. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well said. <laughs> exactly. If I'm going somewhere and I, I know exactly the route I'm going to drive, I still have Google Maps on on my phone so that it can update me on the traffic and yep. I can see how many minutes it predicts is left in my journey. So, of course, I'm going to have this space. You cannot frame it any better than that. You need you need a map. It's Voyager. They need a map. How, what's the best way home? And it, it just looked cool. Ross, what's your take? Well, that's it, isn't it? It looked so cool. And the, it was them taking sort of so, the technology to the next level, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Because we've always seen the bridge. We've always seen the ready room. Now we've got a new room, and it's absolutely replete with visual graphic technology. 
Ensign Kim and Seven of Nine have merged Starfleet and Borg ingenuity to create this new technology. And I'm sure I speak for the entire crew when I say thank you. Now, how the hell does it work? <laughs> Astrometric sensors measure the radiative flux of up to three billion stars simultaneously. The computer then calculates our position relative to the center of the galaxy. This mapping technology is ten times more accurate than what we've been using. Seven, will you do the honors? We've plotted a new course home. By my estimates, this trajectory will eliminate five years from your journey. Um, and it always looked great. And weirdly, as soon as you said Astrometrics Lab, my first thought was that Hirogen getting electrocuted. Yeah, uh, I, one of my favorite I, underrated <laughs> moments in Star yeah. Trek. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> and it is hilarious. And the Astrometrics, because the, they had Astrometrics on, oh, it was Generations, wasn't it? Of course. And the, the beautiful Astrometrics for Data and Picard. But the idea came from Voyager first. Seemed to me. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Because they had it in in uh, the episode with with Nella Darren yes, in lessons yes, yes. in lessons, and then they obviously had the big screen the big generations. Thing. And I yeah, yeah. I think this was born out of that. I'm pretty sure that's the timeline. But yeah, yeah of course, this yeah. was after Generations. So of course it would. But they, I just thought they looked similar. Anyway, it's just a cool set. It was a great so improvement to Voyager's sets. Okay. By the way, all. Th- no, actually, Ross, yours. I was going to say all three of those could be game changers. Not yours, is Ross. No, nice. just uh, me and Catherine. So, <laughs> so I'm th- basically game changer is going to be a sequel to this episode. We're going to do it in like at like episode 171 or something. So that's the plan. Right. Okay, we'll everybody, see, see book it, schedule it. <laughs> Round four. Let's do it, Catherine. What's your number four? Okay, so my five words are: suddenly, Julian Bashir makes sense. My hashtag is Superdoc, <laughs> and this is. Uh, Bashir's genetic status reveal in Dr. Bashir, I presume. Deep Space Nine, Season 5, Episode 16. I love this pick. <laughs> love it. You know, reading about the, you know, the production of this episode and how last minute the decision was to include uh, this as the reveal at the, you know, partway through the episode as this secret Um you know, just how yeah, just how last minute it was, just how easily it could have been different. It's almost an accidental improvement, as far as I'm concerned. This one, so I don't know if it would meet um, Ross's prime directive, but um, it really, I, I really felt it improved my enjoyment of Bashir as a character. Um, th- that moment, it always sticks in my mind when he walks out of his quarters like, because his parents and they're arguing, and he just sort of slides down the wall. Yeah, <laughs> and sits on the on the ground in the corridor, and I'm like, yeah, I get it, I get him now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I always feel the same way as I did the first time I saw it. Every time I see it, and yeah, I had to put it in my list. I think this is brilliant. It's it. His character was always slowly getting better, like because like season one yes. this year was kind of creepy the way he was all about Jadzia and he just hadn't Siddig Al-Fadil or Alexander Siddig hadn't really figured him out yet. So he was always getting better, but this for me, this flicked the switch. I I love this character because of this change. Uh, Ross, what was your take? It's great because just like Deep Space Nine, they didn't forget. This wasn't just a thing they had in one episode and then never spoken about again because they kept coming back back to it. It was an improvement in his character and his development because they kept using it and they kept building upon it. 
and they make it more and more interesting and more and more exciting. And he grows and grows into it. It was just massive, wasn't it? It's like jaw-dropping moment, jaw-dropping change. Yeah, and it, it absolutely improved it. It's so smart. So this and, and Ron Moore wrote this script, and I always think of it because he wrote, he also I don't know if he wrote Second Chances, um, but in TNG he was the one it, with it, when he wanted to kill Will Riker and have Thomas Riker replace him in Second Chances. That's what he wanted to do with the show. Like all of a sudden, just like oh, Will Riker's gone now, it's Thomas Riker. And of course, that was never going to happen in 1993 <laughs> on network television. But here, he got to make that change where it literally changed everything uh, you would you have seen in this character. And they kept it going. Really, really cool. Love that pick. Perfect. Uh, Ross, how about you? What's your number four pick? Okay. Dated, inimitable starship, completely overhauled. Hashtag second skin. And this is the upgrade of Discovery from a Crossfield class to the NCC 1031A and just essentially all the 31st century technology we see in Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery because they have done an absolutely mind-blowing job of creating an improved version of the future a vision of the future using the technology that I knew that they have just updated massively and made it beyond what I could possibly have imagined. And it is blown me away. I am blown away by this pick. I can't believe I didn't think of this. And when you were talking about the ship, I thought you were going another direction with a letter, but yeah, I love this pick. So did you pick die, is die trying your episode or is it the one after? It's, it, I think it's scavengers. Scavengers. Cause they actually show like the actual upgrade, the yeah, development yeah, yeah. of the upgrade, the nacelles parting. And yep. I, I've been absolutely staggered by it from the, the com badge transporters, which also project information, um, transformable matter. I am all over this. I really feel like they have taken the next step in like what technology should look like. And it makes me think in 50 years and a hundred years, is this going to be the technology we look back at discovery and say, this is where this idea came from. I mean, programmable matter. I, I said this on our discovery recap show for season three. It was my number one production design element was just it. I was worried about this going in. Like, is this going to feel future enough they hit a home run. Absolute it's perfection. So I love it. Love that ship. Catherine, what's your take on the upgrades for Discovery? Yeah, oh, you just really got me thinking about um, the com badges, uh, uh, the new com badges. And I'm like, oh, I love this. And then in, oh, I'm struggling with episode names now, but when uh, when Burnham is in the uh, Jeffrey's Tubes avoiding uh, you know, avoiding the emerald chain yes, uh, yes. folks on the ship, and I'm thinking to myself, at any other Star Trek show, she'd take that combat off and leave it somewhere. But now it's it's her tricorder, it's it's her transporter, it's everything. Yeah, she so can't right. take that off and just point. leave it. I'm like, oh, this is like when people annoy me by saying, oh, you know, now your mobile phone is everything. You know, right. you stop looking at it. And I'm like, it's you a can't good throw thing. it in the sea. Yeah, it's <laughs> a great point. That's a great point. Um, so I, I kind of flip flop on whether I think it's good or bad. It's yeah, like, it's a yeah, little, it's a like, little bit. Am of I both. just a lot? <laughs> At some point, they'll probably have a story point where you can turn it off or something. Yeah. <laughs> so can't it's be traced. Okay, awesome pick. Let's close out round four with my five words and a hashtag. 
officially she's an escort vessel hashtag, but she has teeth and it's from deep space nine season three, episode one, the search. And of course it's adding the defiant to deep space nine. I love the concept of deep space nine and the fact that it takes place on a space station. And it's much more about the, the universe coming to a station on the edge of the frontier, as opposed to a starship out exploring each week. But in season three, when it was a brilliant move, when they added the defiant and the ship is a, it's a great concept, great design, execution, and all added so many fun elements to the show, including the uh, Romulan cloaking device, of course. And I like the fact that it was Cisco who designed it, and it was designed for the Borg attack, and they knew that it was a little bit like it wasn't exactly the perfect ship. It had a bunch of flaws, but but she has teeth, and they knew it was a little too much power for the, for its structure. Just really, really cool addition. Hard to add something like that and have it be so successful. And obviously, the Defiant is super popular. So, Defiant Torpedoes! We don't need those now because it's not a duplicate yet. <laughs> but, uh, Catherine, what's your take on the Defiant? Oh, I love the Defiant so much. So I'm so glad you picked it. It didn't quite fit with my yep. prime directive, so I couldn't have it on my list. But it was definitely you know one of the things I jotted down on my uh, initial brainstorm. So, um, oh. Just, yeah, such a tough little ship. <laughs> such a tough little ship. How about you, Ross? Uh, well, it was just that thing that happened in Deep Space Nine, and you just it takes your excitement up to the next level, doesn't it? I've got yeah. a starship now. Okay, <laughs> this is amazing. And it, lo- it always looked fantastic. And what was great about it was it looks like a, like a beefy bruiser of a ship, doesn't it? It's not that sleek, sort of slender, um, sovereign-class design. It looks like a fighter, and it just fit the series so perfectly. And I remember, you know, feeling sort of genuinely overjoyed when I first realised that was coming to, coming to the show. Same. Absolutely the same. Eat your soup, courtesy of a loyal establishment, Jolan Troop. Okay, let's go to the soup round. Catherine, what is your soup round pick? Okay, my five words are one word, all the difference. And my hashtag is hashtag words matter. And the thing I'm talking about is changing where no man has gone before to where no one has gone before. Oh my God. So, so my, this is so good. My example of the credits, you actually have one that's perfect. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I picked Encounter at Farpoint, episode one. Yep one of, of TNG uh, the first time that we heard that um, that change and I remember thinking oh I never really thought about that that's much better <laughs> <laughs> same absolutely the same yeah so <laughs> so I was like oh wow yeah that's the obvious pick for me I think that was the first one that sort of went down on my piece of paper and I drew a little box around it <laughs> I mean so I like, yeah, that's got to go on the top five what else is there to say that is a massive improvement <laughs> and, it, and I think at the time I'm just trying to remember I think people mostly were like, yeah, that makes sense. That's, of course you would do that. And it was, I don't know, I don't think they made a big deal about it, but I'm just trying to put myself back into that time because I lived it, what what that was like the first time. Uh, Ross, what's your take on this? I love your hashtag, first of all. Words matter. I'm totally there for this. Yeah. And you know what? This is is a massive improvement, isn't it? And this is the one that... It, it feels really important as well. It's not just a little improvement. It's a huge improvement. And it's a tiny one, but it's so important. And it maybe like, you know, paves the way for those other big changes that we're seeing today in, you know, how representation is important in Star Trek Discovery. 
it's got to start somewhere and it, it's so nice that this has been recognized great pick i think as well it's star trek's willingness to say you know it's a it's a pretty progressive show yeah, for the yeah. time it's made always and it's just saying well we know better now we'll do better now yeah, and that's the embodiment it. of that and that and that's always the case there's it's, it's always important to have that lens on it of when the steps were occurring and why? Because that's just that's the reality of the world. Yeah. Uh, and then you know what else is cool is that right after this, I wasn't I'm not sure if it was Star Trek Five. I think it was. I don't think they did it in five, even though five came out after TNG. I think yeah, it was I think six. I think it, it was yeah? six was the first time they did it, and they actually hmm. they actually changed it mid phrase. Right? He said, "No man, no one." Corrects himself. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's sort of yeah. uh, it's implying that it's man as in mankind. Of course, yeah. And obviously the Klingons have called them out for human rights and everything, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. All right. Awesome pick. That is exactly the kind of stuff we're looking for in top five improvements. Uh, Ross, what's your number three pick? Okay. So this goes against my entire Prime Directive. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I'm doing it anyway. Modified holograms, homicidal Mr. Hyde. Hashtag alter ego. This is the doctor's attempted personality improvement project. Oh no! Where he tries. Wait, are, are you picking Darkling? Darkling. Oh, <laughs> is that a first oh. for track ranks? Well, that, that is. I'm, it might be the first mention of Darkling. Uh, this is fa- no. It, it probably isn't because I've probably had this conversation before where I said, "Wait, Darkling." Okay, sorry, Ross. Keep going because this is fantastic. <laughs> it's only because this was a, a genuine attempt at making an improvement, and we know the Doctor is always on these like semi-improvement kicks, trying to develop himself in some way, learn this, do that. But here is one episode where it goes so spectacularly wrong, and he's warned about it from a really early point in the episode. Yep, like, yep. This is a this is a bad idea because. This won't work the way you think it works. Um, and I remember having watched the episode, and I'd also watched the episode where he has the family, and it's Balana telling him the same thing again, like, this is a massive mistake. You shouldn't. <laughs> you definitely right. shouldn't do this. That's right. And he carries on doing it anyway. And, I mean, the episode is just completely bonkers, and he goes off on some wild vengeance for the McCall traveller, the McCall guides, um, and it is completely daft. But he's there trying to channel Gandhi and Lord Byron, and it's just making him crazy. But it's an attempted improvement of his program. And at the end, they just beam him back to the ship and just wipe it all out, and it's all gone. And that's all right, because you can just snap your fingers like that and everything will be fine. But I just thought it would be nice to call out an improvement that perhaps didn't go quite as planned. I, I love that uh, that spin on improvement. That's fantastic. And it's cool to actually be talking about this because this is a the premise of this episode maps and things and figuring out a, the, you know, their, the, the trade and, and there's, there's some really good elements in it, but this episode is really dark. Like the yeah. doctor is like the misogyny in that, in the character that's manifested from his changes is kind of hard to watch. It's like creepy. I mean, it's, 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 it's not good. It's difficult to watch. Even looking at the stills of the image, it's like, oh yeah, I remember what yeah, I was for such a long time. Right. Even even his like his subtle changes of he it's really well done by Robert Picardo and, and the production team. Catherine, what's your take on this one? I'm very curious. Yeah, I think that the the self-improvement kick is something that is so um 
you know, should so be admired. And I love that element of the doctor. He's always working to improve himself. And it's the quick fix though here, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's that notion that there can be something you admire about a person, but it doesn't necessarily automatically make them all good or the hero of the story or, you know, you shouldn't necessarily admire the whole person. And, no. uh, yeah, it's, it, there's some good lessons in there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's a, it's definitely interesting, and it for sh- got to be the first time it's mentioned on uh, I, on Trek Rings. I thought it made a reasonable soup round pick. <laughs> Perfect. No, somebody picked it. Oh my lord, oh. Alex Perry picked it as one of his Voyager guilty pleasure episodes. Oh my god, that is <laughs> amazing. Did you see him on video? Did he have totally black eyes? This is amazing. <laughs> All right, Alex, you did that, Alex. That's that's not us. That was you. <laughs> okay, let's go to my. Round three pick, five words and a hashtag. Yellow and red, then blue, hashtag, and now spore drives. And my pick is from Discovery Season 1, Episode 3, Context is for King. It is the Black Alert and the Displacement Activated Spore Hub Drive, the Spore Drive. Really, it's Black Alerts, but how can you improve red and yellow alerts? I mean, they're part of Star Trek's DNA forever. Uh, Voyager did a great job with blue alerts for for landing, but I will never. This is why Context is for King is my is my favorite uh, Discovery episode. The way they introduced the black alert was just one of the coolest things. <laughs> really, really mysterious, interesting. It felt visceral the way they portrayed it on screen, and I just love the whole concept. So beyond that, just the black alert and how cool that is. The concept of the spore drive is is really interesting too. So for the longest time, it seemed like they were going to find a way to, you figured, because this is a prequel, they're going to have to find a way that it's going to be either outlawed or banned, or they're going to choose not to use it because it's damaging the environment or something. And I really thought that's where they were going in Saints of Imperfection when May shows up and says that the Stamets and the jumps are doing damage, but but at the end of that episode, I was like, wait, no, it wasn't that. It's something else. So they're they're good. Where, where are they going with this? And, of course, we knew where they were going. Well, now we know where they're going. They're going to jump Discovery all the way to the 32nd century. And now it makes even more sense because a 900-year-old starship, for the most part, is not going to be that valuable unless you got something like the Spore Drive and you're the only one that has it. So really, really clever the way the Spore Drive has been a part of Discovery. I think it's a cool improvement in storytelling and technology and the black alert is an amazing improvement on the alert system in trek i love it uh catherine what's your take on on the black alert and the spore drive you're completely right that visceral introduction like i can i can see it i can yeah be, it's one of those moments again where it's like every time is like the first time yes <laughs> like black <laughs> alert i'm like what is this? Right. <laughs> I must know what this is because it's <laughs> it's weird. It's definitely weird and it's slightly sinister and I need yeah. to know right now. So for, you know, Netflix says, do you want to keep watching? I'm like, hell yes, I want to keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, Ross, how about you? I uh, Black Alert, it comes on. You can hear that woman's voice just uh-huh. powering it out. It's so good. And on the spore drive itself, 
I really love it's sort of like moving into sort of almost a semi sort of fantasy because it's science that's so far away from what we really understand. You can't really, really understand it in terms of today's science. And I think that's okay. It's okay for us not to be able to understand everything that happens in Star Trek because it's not real. It's it's imaginary. It's next level. Anything, anything you know, conceivably technologically advanced enough could be magic to us. And this is kind of like that. And I love the fact they've created a new realm. They've populated it with new creatures and they take us into it sometimes. And it's part of the story. I'm, I'm down for it. I'm totally there for the sport drive. Yeah, I love it. And I, I am a huge fan of where they ended Discovery Season 3 with uh, Book and the, his Quajon ancestry being able to also navigate the sport drive. Super cool. I'm so excited to see what this what it actually means for yep. him as well. What yep. what actually mm-hmm. is going on with book? And, and I think I said this on our Discovery show. But that was a brilliant piece of storytelling because I did not see it coming. And when you look not, back on the season, it's like you should have seen that coming. It was like, oh yeah. yeah, of course, he interacts with nature and stuff. That this brilliant, really, really well done. They did a great job. Okay, let's go to round two, Catherine. What's your number two Trek improvement? Oh, my number two and my number one have been switching places quite a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to stick with what's written down in front of me. (laughs) My five words are spots are better than ridges. Hashtag host with the most. (laughs) This is the changes made to trails. When Jazia was in the cast of Deep Deep Space Nine uh, compared to uh, Odan from The Host in TNG. Brilliant. This is a great pick. It's, I mean, this is a massive improvement. <laughs> because you're watching the host and I'm like, you know, this is very interesting. I like it. But it, I have so many questions. And when I start thinking about it beyond that episode, it starts to break down and not really make sense. I'm thinking, so what are hosts right. when they don't have a symbiont inside? Are they just sort of kept in a warehouse like Janet's on from The Good Place? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, like like are you nothing until the host till the symbiont just is implanted and then suddenly you have that personality so there's just so much that I had questions about after watching the host but then yeah Jadzia Dax and then Esri Dax in Deep Space Nine they really build out the you know all, all our knowledge of Trill and symbionts and how it all works and it's just so interesting you know, it's, it's actually, you know, who are you as an individual and who are you in context yeah. of who you used to be? And it allows us to explore so many aspects of ourselves, you know, down to gender and sexuality and all that stuff. And I think that's what's made it so compelling and why the Trill have come back in Discovery. It's just such an awesome opportunity to discuss our identity as human beings. Well said. That's so cool. I really, I thought when you were picking it, you were just going to talk about just the makeup choice that they decided because (laughs) just, uh, but yeah, I mean, even more brilliant because what you can do with that, uh, that race and that uh, alien species is, has been fascinating in Trek. And obviously they touched on it in places in Deep Space Nine. I think a lot of times before people even really knew it was a thing in the public consciousness. And now you can look back on it, and this is one of the great things about 800 episodes of Trek. You can look back on it, and you can change. You can it can it morphs with the times and with the way you interpret things. So you see that in Deep Space Nine, and of course now with Discovery, what they did with 
uh, Forget Me Not is just absolutely beautiful, perfect episode of Star Trek in Discovery Season 3. I loved how they portrayed the past memories and the block that uh, Adira was trying to get through. Ross, what's your take on, on this pick? I think the trail are just such a fantastic species because they do, like Catherine says, open up all of those questions that we need to find answers to today. And they let us explore them in such different ways. Mm-hmm. And Discovery's still doing that for us. That's the that's the science fiction that you have to get your teeth into. Like, what does this really mean? What what is a person if they are two different people put together and what if your memories come from somewhere else you have to think about these things and you can't do that anywhere else but in science fiction there's nowhere else you can have these conversations about these weird bizarre topics but then bring them into real life as well it's it's absolutely perfect and i did think you were just talking about initially the makeup the forehead makeup i think we've all seen well, yeah, that the spots are very pretty aren't they but seen that picture of uh, terry farrell with the little ridges on the uh, Odan Ridge is on, and they don't look anywhere near as good as the spots. <laughs> it, you know what, though? I, I think she would have been just as popular. Uh, so what episode did you pick? I forgot to ask. Oh, this was so difficult because uh, like my first instinct was to go for the host because it started it all. But right. I was like, but there's no improvement that you know, I right. need to improve on that. Mm-hmm. So I, part of me wanted to pick Forget-Me-Not, but I ended up going with Equilibrium from Deep Space okay. Nine yeah. because just that's what introduced us to things like the symbiont pools on trail and we've come back there which i just yeah got such a kick out of seeing in forget me not um in discovery so a good choice that that's where it really started where you started Mm. figuring out how cool they they really were i love it that's an amazing pick uh ross how about you what's your number two pick okay I've got two I'm choosing between. (laughs) My number one is set, but I've got two. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay, got it. I'm going for this one, and you're just going to have to forgive me because I think this is going to be incredibly controversial. Okay. Um, More than than Darkling, which is not controversial. That was a great pick. The the but the the improvement in it is you know the attempted Ah, improvement. Yes. Okay. Let's hear it. I think is very tenuous. Okay. (laughs) Transporter unites very improved xenomorph. Mm. Hashtag unification. Oh. Hashtag the orchid kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking oh about. God. Why are you going there? I know, I know. <laughs> and I really wasn't going to. It's awesome. This is great. This- he he is. He's the best of both. And conceivably, Tivix would be the worst of both. But we never really see that. I mean, he's a bit weird. But he's not weirder than either Tuvok or Neelix. But he, the best of what either of them can do, he can do in spades as well and has that dash and that flair. He brings the best of each character and he takes it to the next level. He's a better security guard. He's a better cook. Everything else is up for discussion, I suppose. But he is... The argue, he would say he is an improvement on both of them. Whether anyone else agrees with that, I don't know. But he would definitely say he is the best of Tuvok and Neelix. Tuvix is an improvement upon those two original guys. To tell you the truth, we could use a little help in the mess hall. And I'd be glad to give you a hand. But after careful consideration, I've decided that the most sensible thing for me to do is to resume the tactical post. Tactical? Remember, Captain, I do possess Tuvok's knowledge and expertise. And while I have no doubt that the crew misses Neelix's cooking, you need your most experienced tactical officer. That's me. 
If I may, Captain. Mr. Tuvix. Tuvix? Apparently, that's what he likes to be called. Mr. Tuvix is indeed in perfect health. And since I've collected all the data I need, there's no reason I can't continue my investigation without him for the time being. And according to my tests, he's quite correct when he says that he possesses Tuvok's knowledge and expertise. He also possesses Tuvok's irritating sense of intellectual superiority and Neelix's annoying ebullience. I would be very grateful to you if you would assign him some duty. Any duty somewhere else. I, I almost hate myself for making no, this. No, you're you're right. In fact, <laughs> I, I was it. I was gonna take issue because you said he was because he's kind of weird and but not he, he's definitely not weirder than those two guys. His weirdness no, no. is those guys. Yeah. Here's the reality. Let's talk about it just from a production angle. They it was perfection what they put on screen. The actor Tom Wright was incredible. It captured all of their weirdness, all of their smarts, just like you just said, Ross, took them to the next level. He was better at everything because of the mix. It's actually really genius what they put on screen. Of course, the the topic that you know you it's you see on Twitter every uh, three weeks. There's of course a debate. We're still talking about it. We're still so, talking about it. Still it's still like, who knows? You know, it's, well, it's the, listen. The simple answer is that there is no right answer. There's no, no. wrong answer. We know that we know that that's the true purity of it. There's it, there's just answers. In this case, I love this pig. It's definitely, I mean, I love Tuvix and I, I mean, I love Tuvok and Neelix so much, but I love Tuvix too. Yeah, that weird dude. Yeah. Oh man. So good. Catherine, sorry. What's your take on Tuvix? <laughs> yeah, I loved him too. And yeah, he couldn't be perfect because that wouldn't be real. So he was, oh, yes. And I think, had, were they making Voyager now? We would have two Vicks for a few episodes, and then there would be some. Oh my god! Yeah, you're why sad. he had to be split back, and it would be sad, but it wouldn't be anyone's choice. My Kelvin Universe Voyager fanfic yes. features this very heavily. Yeah, oh. yeah that's actually br- link, you're right. Link of me course. to that. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. In today's day and age, for sure, the first part of that they would make it a three or four episode arc. Um, yeah, which would be cool. And they change the credits as well. They take yes. They take- yeah. They take the other guys out the credits and they start. They put neat uh, two. But the in. but the second part, I'm not sure because they like you know today's anti-hero movement on TV. I I what what they did by not adding it would have been so easy for them to add a little element like ah oh, sorry your cells are degrading we have yeah to you have you to back. be separated. It, it would have been so easy to add that and they didn't do it. They went with we the hard choice. No, we wouldn't be. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be, be talking, talking about it now. It would just be that yeah. weird episode with Tuvix. You're yeah. so right. Super cool. Okay, so we're going to go on to my round two pick. But first, no debate. Kill or not kill two Vicks? Catherine. Oh, <laughs> oh she's out. <laughs> she's, she's gone. <laughs> kill or I not surprised. kill, Ross? <laughs> I, I, I would say no, not kill. Okay, not kill. Catherine? I think taking that just the first word that popped into my head thing, was kill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to my pick. No, I'm terrible. <laughs> no, Gene, you got to answer. <laughs> I would say, uh-huh. I, I would, I would say, if if it was a hundred percent, I was going to get those two guys back. I'd say kill. If it was ninety eight percent, I was going to get those two guys back. I don't think I'd do it. Uh-huh. If I'm being honest, that that's kind of how I've always looked at it. It's good. Okay, uh, that's awesome. <laughs> let's go to my round two pick. <laughs> 
oh, I like this one. This will be a good, good, uh, has nothing to do with that. Uh, number two, five words in a hashtag. No rush to go anywhere. Hashtag Marvin eliminates black cards. My episode is uh, TNG season three, episode one, evolution. And my pick is director of photography Marvin Rush getting hired to improve the look and feel of Star Trek. And this guy, so he was the direct, he started at the beginning of season three of TNG, Marvin Rush. He was the director of photography on Star Trek for the beginning, well, beginning of season three of TNG, where he started. It, so, by the way, what he's my five words and hashtag, what he's most known for, or one of the things he's most known for is obviously changing the lighting. But in the first two seasons of TNG, there's these black cardboard cards that the other directors, and they used to just stick them on the L cars screens to, to eliminate glare and weird angles and things. And now that you see them in HD, there's just black cardboard cards on the middle of the wall. I, I curse the Twitter guy, Gag Yogi, who put this out. <laughs> right. Because now it's it. Every time. I'm like, oh, yeah, there oh, it is. Yeah, yeah. There it I is. mean, uh, yeah, just great at pointing them out. <laughs> yeah, I've seen them for great. years. I've always <laughs> known about Marvin Rush and the way he just changed the lighting and just changed the whole look of the show. But the, but let's put it in these contexts. So he's, season three is really where the show changed its appearance. D Space Nine, he was there for the first two seasons. So he set the appearance for that show. Then he went to Voyager and was there for all seven seasons. So obviously set the appearance for that show. Then he went to Enterprise and was there for all four seasons and obviously set the appearance for that show, including the fourth season when they was the only season of Star Trek they didn't put on film. They shot it digitally. And I just think season four looks really cool with the different, uh, the way, you know, digital is a little bit, cleaner and some people say in a bad way um but definitely a different way but he made it work so i've got it down here i you guys know i love stats so he had he was the director of photography on 378 episodes of star trek and he also directed five episodes i love marvin rush and i'm gonna tell one quick story from when i was on set he was there. He's one of the guys like I was excited about just seeing work or getting to meet briefly. And he was he was really nice, affable, just super popular. You could tell everybody there loved him. This was obviously near the end of Star Trek's run. And all day he was walking around set talking like Yoda. So just for like no reason, just like put light here. Mm, yes. I mean, that's the, like what he was doing the whole day. I thought it was hilarious and great. Everybody on set was just ignoring it, right? They were just like, they, they didn't laugh. They weren't complaining. They were just like, you could just tell it was like Marvin being Marvin kind of thing. They just, no one commented or it didn't bother them, but they also weren't like engaging with them. Hilarious. I just, it always stood out to me as one of my memories from, from on set. So Marvin Rush, director of photography. I'm not sure if you're aware of him much, Catherine, but what's your take on that? Yeah, I think anything that improves those cardboard yeah, right. is uh, is good in my book and also you know thank you for the wonderful look of deep space nine because yeah. i just i'm in love with you know the whole look of that show so he, he really figured it all out and it really didn't it didn't change much when he uh when he left and no. jonathan west took over ross what's your take on marvin rush cardboard squares you need not <laughs> <laughs> It's good. I mean, those cardboard squares are iconic. Um, 
he obviously has done a great job. I don't know much about. I mean, he's not a guy I know much about, but yep. he's you've given him certainly some excellent credits. Uh, which episodes did he direct? He directed uh, a bunch at the end. He directed uh, Terra Prime oh. in a mirror darkly two. I think he directed the host actually. Uh, I don't have them written down, but there's like there's like five of them. So okay, I mean, Terra Prime's great. He did a good job. Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, he and now he's he's still working on shows like The Orville, and he's still around. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, look him up if you don't know him. He's he's a one of the definitely unsung heroes of of Trek. Okay, let's go to our round one picks. Catherine, what's your number one Trek improvement? Okay, so I found a way to cheat. I found a way to pick two things by picking one thing. I love that. <laughs> Good. I knew you would. Um, so my five words are TNG's gift to future Trek. Hashtag assimilate this. My choice is the film, Star Trek First Contact, um, and really two things about it. The new look of the Borg uh, that Ooh, really yeah. was influent- influential then for the whole rest of Voyager. And really that whole rewriting or reimagining of Zephyr and Cochrane and Earth's first contact with the Vulcans, which was a huge influence for Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like without that movie, you know, the Voyager would have been very different and would we have even had Enterprise? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it was just a hugely influential film. I love it. So all of those productions, I mean, there, there's a lot. I actually thought about this one too. And you could even do Zephyr and Cochrane too because they improved uh. Kind of his character from yeah. from TOS. I love this. The look of a Borg is a huge one. That's where the the movie that movie budget makes a huge difference because mm-hmm. it really it really was impressive. Obviously with the with the Borg Queen's introduction to Ross. What's your take on First Contact and all the upgrades there? Well, I mean, un- unsurprisingly, this is a strong secondary system for me. I I'm a big. I just didn't want to get bogged down in the Borg because I feel like I always. I'm yep. always like bigging up the Borg. So I was really thinking about this because I really loved the way that they wrote the the Borg Queen into this. I really felt like she added a new layer to the Borg and one that we desperately needed to keep the to keep the villainy moving. Um and I know there's a lot of criticism that it sort of moves away from that interpersonal aspect, but I really saw it as a a very sort of strange, you know, them trying to communicate with us. In a in a different way, you know, the way they tried hadn't worked. Now they're trying something different. So I really like that. Um, but you adding in uh, the whole Zephyr Cochrane element and the way that it's linked to Enterprise is really gorgeous. I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. Enterprise would have been extremely different if we didn't know enough about First Contact. And it's so beautiful the way they've built upon this to create the sort of massive, massive multi layered narrative. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it, that part of it's absolutely brilliant. I I said this in a recent episode. I can't remember if it was First Contact or something else, but people forget that this is the first time we learned that First Contact was with Vulcans. You you kind of think of it; it's just something you know and have always known. But we didn't know that until you know 1996 when this movie came out. Mm. Um, yeah, massive improvement. I love this pick. I did not think of this. Uh, in that specific uh, way. Fantastic. Ross, how about you? What's your number one? Okay. Number one, and I'm really, just how much I love I love this show. So it had to be my number one. Distorter, Transporters, Rubidoux's Last Resort. Hashtag the next phase. 
and it is Rutherford's improved transporter, which will quickly transport you almost half a second faster with only the minor side effect of being slightly out of phase by a millicochrane or so in the episode Much Ado About Boimler. Oh my God. I love... I'm laughing well, just thinking about first it. First of all, I love Much Ado About Boimler. I think it... I, it I think it's, it's like number so three. Good. I think it's number three on my list. It's definitely top five, which is only ten. But um, oh my god, it's I love so this funny. pick. That moment, so genius. The whole still bit. laughing. <laughs> uh, sorry, Ross. Keep going. Last week, uh, earlier this week, I was telling, I was like, you should not watch the new Star Trek. I was telling my wife, you should watch the new Star Trek show. It's hilarious because it's just come to the UK. Right. We did. We did, right. We only had it like what two weeks. Um, so up until two weeks ago. I wasn't really up on all of this. I said to my wife, you've got to watch it. It's hilarious. And I started describing to her what happens to Boimler. And I'm laughing while I'm telling her. I'm like, I know it sounds stupid, but it's honestly really funny. You should definitely watch the show. And she watched it. She sat down and she watched it with me and she enjoyed it. And it was just, it's so funny and it's so good. And I love Rutherford's energy. He's so positive and he's so... He's there to improve the ship all the way through, tinkering, fixing. Rutherford, the visiting crew's gonna be here any minute. Hey, if I part my hair like this, do I look more promotable or less? More, less, more, less. Yeah, sure. You didn't even look. Sorry, it's this transporter, man. I'm trying to make it go 0.07 seconds faster. Mariner wouldn't help me test it. She said she wanted to wait until I ironed out the kinks. But how am I supposed to do that if nobody's going to help me test it? Ooh, I'll do it. I can tell the new captain that in my spare time, I enjoy improving efficiency. Okay, cool. I'll just transport you back and forth super quick. Real easy. Okay, beam me up. I mean, boim me up. You know what I'm saying. Okie dokie. That was like half a second faster than normal. I can't believe it's working. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Run me through it again. Do it again. Do it again. Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh... oh, man. I thought I solved this. What? Sorry, it's just the last part of the transporter process. It can be a bit sticky. Sticky? I knew I didn't know this episode until you'd already you'd already told me about improvements, but I hadn't watched this episode at that point. And oh, just, seriously? Did you just yeah. watched it? Oh, it's so great. So you didn't you didn't cheat in the last uh, few months? I I did cheat a little, but I didn't see this episode. Okay, got it. Yep, yep. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. This uh, I love this episode. Sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. No, no, it's so good. So I was really pleased. It was my number one. Catherine, how about you? What's your take on this? And did you when did you watch uh, Lower Decks? Yeah, I'm a big cheater. I watched it. Yeah, when okay. it came out. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> By the way, that's not cheating. That's their fault. So yeah, and and I'm watching it all again on um, on Amazon Prime, obviously, so that you know it counts, and they know that I love it. And <laughs> they will keep paying for it. Um, have to do my duty in that way yeah <laughs> but yeah. yes that i think that is one of the real laugh out loud moments because you know it's 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 ridiculous you know to us you know where i have to think about you know oh it's a 40 minute car ride to go see my family whereas in the future it's just well i can be there instantaneously <laughs> yeah. but of course when you live in a world where you can transport <laughs> you're going to be trying to make it faster <laughs> 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 You know, us trying to, you know, make web pages load a fraction of a second faster and everything might seem ridiculous to somebody in like 1995. But, um, oh. but here we are doing it. So, yeah, you're right. Only a minor side effect of being slightly out of phase. <laughs> and I, I keep saying this, but oh, I talked about this. Sound. I, t- I talked about this on the Lower Deck show 
that is literally one of my favorite funny moments was when he goes on the bridge and he's all excited <laughs> to meet the new crew and he's just like, no, I'm just phasing. It's, you have to no, you need to go sick to sick bay. <laughs> That's for sick people. I love it. So good. Uh, brilliant, brilliant pick. Okay, so we are going to finish off with my number one pick. And we do have a duplicate, although not exactly because we picked a different episode, but I raved about this pick earlier from Catherine, my five words and hashtag. The computer agrees with Julian hashtag. Of course it does. They think alike and it's Julian Bashir becoming genetically enhanced. And, <sighs> and for me, the moment I picked was specifically because we talked about them carrying this on was the first time that we really see it in action. And that is in Deep Space Nine season six, episode one, a time to stand. And I'll just add, and we talked about this already, but I'll add that this is at the end of that episode after they've blown up or they're, trying to blow up this Ketracel White Station. And there's two classic moments where you realize, oh, yeah, he really is genetically enhanced, and this is now a thing, and I love that. And first is when they're trying to blow up the Ketracel White Station, and they have to kind of calculate their escape, and Dax is trying to work it out, and he's like, we need to go to full impulse 1.3 seconds before the bomb explodes. <laughs> so they kind of realize, oh, yeah, okay, he's right. The, the, the computer agrees with Julian. And then at the end, after they don't quite get away, the uh, the damaged warp, the literally the last line of the episode is him calculating how long it will take to get to a star base. 17 years, two months, three days, give or take an hour. How bad is it, Chief? It doesn't look good. I'm going to have to switch to auxiliary life support. Deflectors are down, guidance system shot, and... And what? Core matrix is fried. We don't have warp drive. Well, forgive my ignorance, but if we don't have warp drive, how long is it going to take us to reach the closest Federation starbase? A long time, Mr. Garrick. How long? 17 years, two months, and three days. Give or take an hour. I love those two moments because it really was, uh, well, it was a game changer, but it was also this amazing improvement for Bashir. I love what they did with his character. He became one of my, one of my favorite characters uh, because of this switch and and what it did for, uh, for his backstory and everything. So any other, any last comments on Julian Bashir, Catherine? Yeah. I just think it opened up so many stories we wouldn't have got otherwise. You know, you're mentioning Admiral Patrick in yes, right. in the Badmirals episode. We wouldn't have had Admiral Patrick without that. And yeah, there's a ton it, of fun stuff they did with that. Not only did it make a lot of sense for him, but it was just a great addition to the show as a whole. Yeah. How about you, Ross? Well, it's strange because I thought strongly about the genetically enhanced on the Enterprise on the Enterprise episodes as a potential improvement. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, category. So, but it stayed secondary systems. I never pushed it up to the to a main where I started thinking about it properly. But it's weird because I, what I didn't think about Bashir at all. I thought about Khan and I thought about uh, Ar- uh, Sung. Yes, Ericsson. Yep, Ericsson. Um, yeah. But I didn't think about Bashir at all. Um, That's funny. Until you guys brought it up. That's really funny. That those would have been good. Those would have been good picks too in terms of tangible improvement. That's real yeah. improvements. Uh, 
or maybe not, depending on your per- your view. <laughs> okay, that was awesome. I want to hear some secondary systems picks. Catherine, what do you got to rattle off? Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. I had things like, uh, you know, tricorders and the changes in 90s track compared to 60s track. And oh, I, I just like the design more. Fantastic. I love that pick. Also things like phasers that no longer look like guns. I rather like that. Um, things like the addition of Guinan in 10 forward to TNG. Yes, that's a great one. I, I had that one, yep. Yeah, like Geordie becoming chief engineer. Um cliffhangers oh, that's good that jordan becoming added. chief engineer was is really good because that's like a season one to two thing mm. yeah that was a, that's a huge improvement that's really smart i like that um adding cliffhangers at the end of seasons with the first one being best of both worlds that's another one. Oh my god i love that it's great <laughs> i also had like i suppose changes that they made to races like the cardassians and the ferengis mm-hmm. sort of as they moved through but i thought there was less definite points of change with those compared to the trill who were just one episode and then main main series regulars. I'm, I'm glad you picked trill but ferengi's a really good one too because mm. they they improve them a lot you know, on d space nine smart yeah i also thought about things like uh season arcs in storytelling like we saw in um enterprise and yeah. now we have very much so in discovery i i really like that you know, yep. explore things a little deeper. I had a similar one with season with the mini arcs on season four being kind of like this hybrid that hasn't really not a lot of people have done. I really like that too. I think the only the only other things I had um, from the films was uh, the monster maroons were a big improvement on the uh, jumpsuits from <laughs> the motion picture. I don't oh, agree. Well, yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't either. But we are. But we are in the mass. We are in the massive minority. Oh my god! Oh, I want one of those little computers on my belt. Uh, that's so funny because I always rank the monster maroons at the bottom. But I had uh, one of my one of my big ones. Uh, one of my toughest cuts was the first contact uniforms. I thought that was like one of the biggest uniform upgrades that they I love that they uniforms. did. Yes. Uh, Ross, how about you? Rattle off some. Oh, sorry. Okay. Were you done? Were you done, Catherine? Um, I mean, there's other little things on here, but those Keep are going. Those <laughs> my main ones. <laughs> I had the dartboard in Quark's bar. Oh yeah. That's yes. Good. Okay. Um, uh, O'Brien and Worf on Deep Space Nine. Uh, I had that too. Yep. Uh, Captain Cisco's promotion. Yep. I also had Trials and Tribulations as an improvement on tr- um, Trouble with Tribbles because it had added Deep Space Nine. That's, so cool. that's good. That's, make it that's nice for, for your Cisco. Um, for your Cisco, and I also had the goatee on my list. Oh, yeah. Riker's beard. <laughs> I, I had Riker's beard. Riker's beard. Oh, that's was, good. Yeah. It was there for a long time on the list. That's so good. I've got seven of nine. Seven uh, the of do- nine. The Doctor's I... mobile emitter. Oh, uh, that's a good one. The mobile emitter's great. I didn't have that. The addition of, um, in sort of Star Trek 2 and 3, of the Vulcan Katra, that notion. Oh, that's good. You know I love that Very, one. Oh, that's yeah. close to my heart. I love that one. I think that's just about it. I, I think uh, your secondary system was, was as good as our 15 picks. That was fantastic. Mm. Uh, Ross, how about you, man? So similar to Catherine, uh, I had where the Ferengi stopped being the villains in yes. seasons one and were upgraded to the Borg in season two. That was that was strongly up, but I didn't want to lean on, on the Borg too much, so I left it. Yep. Um, I had some of these started out, because I picked really specific picks, but I started out really broad. So it just I had representation uh, as like... Oh, that's a track. cool one, I, yeah. I had that for a long time. I thought it's just too big for me. Um, and I also had 
Picard's like personal growth and how he's become more, you know, human and interactive and, you know, he's grown his family out from being that sort of very staid and alone person. He's now branched out and he's got people in his life. And I really like that and how he interacts with, you know, children and the people he loves and cares about. So I had that for a long time. Um, other stuff, Geordie's visor. I just keeps keeps getting better, doesn't it? His implants keep keep improving. Uh, Wayun Six, the good water. Oh man, that's <laughs> good improvement. Yeah. That's genius. <laughs> I had a couple which I actually wrote five words and hashtags for, and I've swapped out at the last minute. So this is this is probably the deepest and most niche cut. Uh, an unusually dense globular cluster. Hashtag the forge, and this is. Geordie's upgrading of the <laughs> sensor array by approximately 26% by putting warp energy directly into the main deflector grid at the very beginning of schisms in order yeah. to chart the Amagosa diaspora. And then I also thought about uh, the Binar upgrading the holodeck to keep Riker amused. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Yes, I might have picked that if I thought that's about a that. real improvement. Minuet. Well, so realistic interaction keenly entertains Riker. Hashtag hollow pursuits. <laughs> and that was there for a long time and I, I swapped out at the last minute. But that was that was where I was going. I started massive and then I worked down to the very, very tiny uh, and super specific, which I liked. That's awesome. So we I mean, we covered a lot of ground. This is so cool. But most of mine have been mentioned. I had toughest cut with Whoopi Goldberg being added, but also 10 forward as a set, but I went to uh, in season two when they added 10 forward, but I went with astrometrics. I also had uh, TNG in high def on Blu-ray as one of the best improvements. Cause that's incredible that we have that it's a, a miracle that that exists. I also had the motion picture director's edition, which I love the original, but I, the director's edition for me is amazing. We talked about all the characters. Uh, Guinan, O'Brien, Worf, Seven of Nine are all big improvements. Cisco's goatee. And the one that I thought of too, but I decided was more of a game changer and not an improvement was Deep Space Nine being on a space station instead of a starship, which I thought was... Uh, uh, a smart change. So instead I went with the defiant. All right. That's a lot there. Fantastic topic. I uh, really appreciate all those incredible picks. And we got some cool stats to go through right now in our regeneration cycle. Computer activate regeneration cycle. Alcoves beta and gamma. Okay. Let's recap. Catherine run through your five picks. Yes. So my number five pick was uh, Star Trek getting added to streaming services. And the episode I picked was The Falcon Hello from Discovery, season one, episode one. Uh, my number four was uh, Bashir's genetic status. Um, that was from Deep Space Nine episode, Dr. Bashir, I presume, season five, episode 16. Number three, uh, changing where no man has gone before to where no one has gone before. And the episode I picked was Encounter at Farpoint, because that's the first time that we hear it spoken in the first episode of TNG. My number two pick was the changes made to Trills following their first appearance in The Host, TNG um, season four. And the episode I picked was Equilibrium from Deep Space Nine season three, episode four. And my number one pick was the movie Star Trek First Contact. Um, and that was for the new look Borg and the rewriting of 
Stephen Cochran's story and the story of first contact with the Vulcans. Fantastic list. Two from TNG, two from Deep Space Nine, and one from Discovery on your episode picks. Ross, how about you? So I had Reg Barkley being improved by the Scytherian <laughs> technology uh, in the nth degree. My number four pick was the improvement in technology in the 31st century as demonstrated in Scavengers, where Discovery is upgraded to its A version. Uh, my Sue Brown pick was the Doctor's personality improvement project in uh, Voyager's Darkling. My second pick was, unbelievably, the idea that Tuvix was an improvement on both Tuvok and Neelix from the Voyager episode Tuvix. <laughs> And my number one pick was Rutherford's Improved Transporter in Much Do About Boimler on Lower Decks. All right. So you had two from Voyager, then one each from TNG, Discovery, and Lower Decks. Spectacular. All right. My recap from number five from Voyager, Message in a Bottle, the Astrometrics set being uh, added to Voyager. Number four from Deep Space Nine, The Search Defiant, the Defiant being added to Deep Space Nine. Number three was Discovery, Context is for King, and it's basically the Spore Drive and Black Alert uh, on Discovery as an improvement. Number two was the work of Marvin Rush being hired as Director of Photography and changing the way Star Trek looks after Season 2 of TNG. Evolution was my episode and number one from Deep Space Nine, a time to stand, the genetic enhancements of Dr. Julian Bashir. So I had two from Deep Space Nine and then one each from TNG, Voyager, and Discovery. And for the stats, we had one duplicate, so that was cool. We did have one. I was not sure that was going to happen. I was going to try and break it down between like production, non-production, but there was a mix on a lot of these but there was five solid picks that were just production, just production choices, basically. And Catherine, you had four of those. I had one. The characters, there was five character picks basically being improved. Ross, you had three of those. And I had one and Catherine had one. And then in terms of like sets, there was like two. And that those were both uh, myself. And our breakdown of episodes, pretty good coverage here. We had... Nothing from TOS, which I would expect. Also nothing from Enterprise, Picard, Short Tracks, or the Calvin timeline. One pick from Lower Decks. And then everything else is basically dead even. It was three from Discovery and three from Voyager and four each from TNG and Deep Space Nine. There was one film picked. So lots of stats to break it down. Love those 15 picks. But as we do every week, we've been hit by a temporal distortion. So before we can depart, it's time to hear from you. The temporal distortions are fracturing space-time throughout the ship. Cause? Unknown. We know the cause, Mr. Tulak. It's all the amazing feedback that we continue to receive from our listeners here at Trek Ranks. And this week's temporal distortion has sent us back to episode 100 in our top five Janeway episodes. A very special episode in which we got a ton of feedback. I'm going to read... Three really cool lists that came through all with five words and a hashtag. First from Crossfield Chris or Kai Chris at Shelf Nerds on Twitter. He had number five, overcome prejudice about the doctor. Hashtag give him a soul latent image. Number four, vulnerable and without an excuse. Hashtag dear John Letter Hunters, which is a really cool, unique pick. 
Number three, a pure, intimate Catherine story. Hashtag poetry in strange places. Fair haven. Number two, bolder than Cisco or Picard. Hashtag Fort Knox. Dark frontier. That's a fantastic pick for Janeway. And number one, unquestionably committed to her principles. Hashtag felt like federation. It was uh, the void, which I think was my number one pick. All right. And then Rich Masters, who uh, amazes us whenever he sends in a list. Number five, it was Bride Bride of Chaotica, Masterful Masquerading Mollifies Monochrome Megalomaniac. Hashtag the wedding's off. (laughs) I love this guy. (laughs) The wedding's (laughs) off. So good. Number four, Scientific Method. Enigmatic extraterrestrials encounter enraged experiments. Hashtag factor 5,000 sunscreen scientific methods. So good. Number three appears to be the same episode again. I think (laughs) I just am noticing this for the first time. Also scientific method. Logical lieutenant lifts leaders. (laughs) Lament. Sorry. Logical lieutenant lifts leaders. Lamentations. Hashtag should I flog them as well when Tuvok is uh, addressing uh, addressing Janeway. Okay, number two, counterpoint, deceitful, devour, dealt, deception, dissuasion, hashtag, could have used a psychic. And that's a really good one. Deceitful, devour, dealt, deception, dissuasion for counterpoint. Number one, caretaker, skipper, squashes, subordinate, superior, slang, hashtag, no sirs, no ma'ams, in reference to Mr. Kim. Fantastic list. And then we've got one more. I really love this cool list from Jack Underwood at SST slash Anom. And if, by the way, if I didn't say Rich Masters, but at Masters Rich, I don't think I said that. And I just should say that I did mock Rich, but he and I are very good friends in real life. Yes. That's That's good. (laughs) At Masters Rich. Okay. So this one is Jack Underwood at SST underscore Anom because, uh, so I like the oh I like this list because he included his prime directive and it's really cool. It's just three words, Janeway versus Janeway. Mm-hmm. And so he's got just the episode title and then a hashtag. So number five, parallax, Balana opens up, deadlock, hashtag Janeway times two. His number three was concerning flight, hashtag when fantasy becomes real. His number two, hashtag anthology of Voyager JC. And number one, basics, hashtag leadership on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's else? nice. Yeah, that's that was good. really good. And those picks are really clever from Janeway versus Janeway. He actually had secondary systems. Workforce, the killing game, 1159, counterpoint, scientific method, macrocosm. Can't get enough Janeway love. That's it. That's more than enough to get us through this week's temporal distortion. So as always, I want to thank everyone for all your great responses to the Trek Ranks podcast. Please keep your list coming to me at Trek Ranks on Twitter so we can retweet them. But we also want to hear from you. So put together your own list of top five improvements or a list from any of our past shows. You can find that on Trek Ranks and give us a call at the Tricorder Transmissions at 609-512-5527, 609-512-LLAP. Or you can just record your own message and then send me a DM. We can download it that way. So hopefully we'll hear from you so you can be featured on the next episode of Trek Ranks. And on the next episode of Trek Ranks, we are going back to our character series. But this one has a little twist. So we've done top five moments for 11 characters across 100 plus episodes of Trek Ranks. And for this one, we are doing 
top five crusher moments. Mm. And that is the only prompt or explanation we are going to give. It's top five crusher moments. So that leaves a little bit of interpretation open. So Catherine and Ross, if you had to choose one crusher moment off the top of your head, what would you pick, uh, Catherine? There's nothing wrong with me. Maybe there's something wrong with the universe. Okay, so you're going straight to Beverly and her info. I mean, one of the most popular quotes in Star Trek mm-hmm. history. I love that. And remember me, Ross, a crusher moment. Obviously, the first thing I thought of was what Catherine just said, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but if we go if we go to the other crusher then, the moment in the Dauphin where Wesley's holding that massive magnet and uh, <laughs> she walks by, she's like, is that a superconducting electric? And he's like, yeah. It's a super. And it's just so awkward. It's like, oh, wow, Wesley's an awkward teenager on a starship. Could this be any more difficult to watch? It's a pretty great awkward meetup. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, love, I love I love that. Two good choices. I'm glad we got one for Wesley and one for Beverly. Maybe we'll get some Jack on the show. Who knows? We're going to do our top five crusher moments. All right. That's it. A huge thanks to Catherine Robinson and Ross Webster. It was awesome to have you guys on the show. I was wondering if you could show me how to access these subspace communications logs. And we're going to do that right now, Neelix. So any final Trek subspace communications, either one of you guys want to relay before we depart, uh, Catherine. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I hope everyone out there is doing okay, staying safe and well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of everyone. It's it's still that time on the calendar, on the, on our calendar. Hopefully when you're listening to this, it'll be in a distant memory at some point. Uh, Ross, how about you, man? Uh, Just the same. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, if you like the sound of my voice, you can listen to at Snaptrack and uh, hear me chat on about Star Trek as well. We do love Snaptrack with our friend Edak Works, Jen Tift. Great job, you guys. Awesome, awesome picks. Love this topic. And thanks to everyone again for engaging with us here on episode 107 of the Trek Ranks podcast. As always, I want to close by saying I'm looking forward to standing with you again here in this place where I belong. What if we disable the Nets power generator? Explosion will do that. Well, that won't do us much good. One minute. Maybe it will. When the generator's destroyed, the net will come down. All we have to do is to time it so that we're moving fast enough at the moment of detonation to avoid being caught in the explosion. But not so fast that we smash into the net before it's deactivated. It's tricky. Not if we time it right. Let's see. A radial geodesic in a 39 Cochrane warp field. Contracts normal space at a rate of... We have to go to full impulse 1.3 seconds before the bomb detonates. Dax? The computer agrees with Jillian. Of course it does. They think alike. Just want to remind everyone again that the entire Trek Ranks catalog is available for you to download and listen to at trekranks.com and on your podcast player of choice. Our episodes never get carbon data, so check out the topics you've missed and maybe just want to listen to again over at trekranks.com. 
and a reminder to check out our friends Five Year Mission at fiveyearmission.net. They're writing a song for every episode of Star Trek, and you won't believe how great their music is. They also have a podcast at the Trek Geeks Network, so seek them out. You won't regret it. Captain's Log, Stardate 9529.1. This is the final cruise of the Starship Enterprise under my command. This ship and her history will shortly become the care of another crew. To them and their posterity will we commit our future. They will continue the voyages we have begun and journey to all the undiscovered countries, boldly going where no man, where no one has gone before.